This episode of Breaking Brave is brought to you by Soul Snacks. Soul Snacks are single ingredient, eco-conscious dog and cat treats sourced directly from farms in Ontario and wrapped in fully compostable packaging. Treating your pets never felt so good. Use coupon code BREAKINGBRAVE for 15% off on soulsnacks.ca. That's soulsnacks.ca. This episode is also brought to you by Crank Coffee, the newest member of the Neal Brothers family. Crank Coffee is a new Canadian whole bean coffee brand that is certified organic and fair trade, founded by the Neal Brothers, Peter and Chris. This brand was influenced by cycling, coffee lovers, and experts. Check it out at the Neal Brothers online shop and use our coupon code BRAVE for 20% off your first Crank Coffee purchase. Enjoy. Welcome to Breaking Brave. I'm Marilyn Barefoot, your host. Thanks for joining us. Today, we are having a delicious conversation with Margaret Coons, who is the founder and CEO of Nuts for Cheese, a leading producer of 100% dairy-free, plant-based cheese made from organic cashews. Margaret is a lover of vegetables, a chef, and a certified yoga instructor. But more importantly, she is the brilliant and innovative mind behind the six different flavors of Nuts for Cheese, and now the three different flavors of Nuts for Butter. No cheesy intros required for Margaret. Please welcome the incredible Margaret Coons. Welcome, Margaret. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me on the show. We're just thrilled. I I love to do things from a linear fashion, as you've listened to other episodes of Breaking Brave. So I could get as far back as you decided to become a vegetarian when you were 12. Am I right? That's right. And what, when you were 12, made you decide that being a vegetarian was an important thing for you to embrace when, from what I've researched, your family was was not vegetarian. This this was something that you espoused and embraced by yourself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at a at a young age, I, I was not in a, a vegetarian family uh, whatsoever. It was very much a meat and potatoes style style dinners. But I stumbled across a, a couple of PETA videos at a, at a young age, for better or for worse, and became a, a bit of a animal rights activist. And it really it started from an animal rights perspective that. It had me become a vegetarian and it evolved over the years. So it was um, animal rights to begin with. And then I developed more of a focus on on health and, and the impact of uh, what I was eating on my body. And then it, it sort of came full circle with the environmental approach as well. Uh, so it's it's really those big three, the health, the animals and, and the environment is the, the motivation behind uh, my, my plant-based lifestyle. Good for you. Were your parents supportive? Did they say fantastic yes will will or did they push back were they worried about you did they did they support your your decision you know for the most part i think they were pretty supportive i think at a, a young age they didn't really know what to what to do with me and didn't really want to have the the onus of having to prepare two different meals but it really was what started uh, my journey into uh, learning to love to cook uh, was that i from a young age started uh, having a desire to prepare and experiment with different vegetables and different dishes. And, and so really it was a nice opportunity that way. And, and to share that with my family as well as a, 
I, I love cooking for my family and, and sharing new dishes with them. So they're, they're definitely receptive to that. So you were the head chef, so to speak, and started to introduce your family probably to vegetarian and then eventually vegan, lovely, delicious things. Yes, exactly. Fantastic. Okay, then the next thing I found was you attended Ridley College. I did. In Ridley College, you you did rugby and you were part of the swim team and you love to do physical stuff. Um, thinking that that whole physical body awareness, healthy was very much a part of who you were at 12 when you made the decision. Was it at all a challenge to be a vegetarian at Ridley College? Were you in residence or you you were a day student? Yeah, I was a boarder. Uh, so I went to a high school in Ancaster for grade nine and 10. And then I went to Ridley for grades 11 and 12. And I will say that the the options in the um, the dining hall at Ridley weren't extremely vegetarian friendly when I, when I started there, but sort of um, the options just started to take a turn by the time I graduated that there was more of like a salad bar and and different options available until, of course, I went to university and was in a, a different residence again. And, uh, you know, throughout those years, definitely ate a lot of um, peanut butter bagels and, <laughs> and pasta with red sauce and, <laughs> you know, things things like that. A lot of sort of high carb vegetarian options. But uh, I, I think that you know, both um, Ridley and Western have have come a long way in terms of their their culinary offerings for their students. Fantastic. I read that you were also working part-time or working full-time, working part-time, I think, at a local restaurant called Veg Out, which was a vegetarian restaurant in London, Ontario, which is where you got a chance to play, experiment, in the kitchen, fiddling around. So let me use that as the platform for you to please perhaps tell us the story of the birth of nuts for cheese. Yeah, absolutely. So it was really my my dream job when I was doing my, my undergrad at Western. I was an English major and really wanted to work in, in the world of food. And at that time, thought that my future was going to be in... Uh, being a restauranter. And so it was my, my dream job to work at the, the only vegan restaurant in town. And I, I took a job part-time initially as a prep cook on, on weekends. And so at that time I was a full-time student. I was doing my yoga teacher training and I was uh, cooking at the restaurant. And so I was, I've, you know, uh, always been quite busy, uh, but it was an incredible opportunity to start to, you know, hone my culinary skills. And I learned so much uh, through that through that job. And uh, over the years, ended up growing my role within uh, the Veg Out restaurant to eventually becoming a head chef there and having the opportunity to uh, support building up menus and uh, developing different offerings for, for customers, doing cooking demos on Rogers television for the, the you know local Rogers audience and doing some live cooking demos at, at Veg Fests and, and things like that. So it was a a huge opportunity for me to, to have that job and really was uh, a nice launching off point for the business. And in my last couple of years working at the restaurant, still kind of thinking I was going to go into to restaurant ownership someday, I had the opportunity to put a, a vegan cheese board on the on the menu and I would make different rotating cheeses. And it was a, quite a popular menu item. And so I thought, you know, before I kind of jump into trying to have my own vegan restaurant, maybe I'll try a, a farmer's market 
for the summer with these cheeses that I'd been making and trying new recipes for. And that's really how Nuts Fruit Cheese was started. I, I rented the restaurant kitchen in the middle of the night and made cheeses and took them to the farmer's market the next day and then went back after my um, shift at the farmer's market to, to cook dinner at the restaurant. And <laughs> that's uh, it, it really gave me a sort of um, a nice launching off point to to start experimenting and building up the product base. Love it. You must have been very popular at the farmer's market slash customers in the restaurant. I would imagine, I think I've read, that they were asking you, well, where can I buy your cheese? How can I get a hold of your cheese? Because they were enjoying the the cheese board for in the restaurant and also people buying directly from you at the farmer's market. Is this So this is the beginning of I'm on to something. People are enjoying what I'm doing here. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, at the time, it was 2015 when I started at the farmer's market. And so there was a lot less available in the um, sort of mainstream marketplace and in grocery stores in terms of a a high quality vegan cheese. So what I thought was going to be a primarily vegan following and and vegan consumers being really excited about the product surprised me because a a more mainstream audience started to um, follow the company and you know, people that were lactose intolerant or avoiding dairy for all kinds of different reasons um, really took to the product. Um, and, and we did start to have requests early on from from local retailers, health food stores, independent sort of natural grocers. And and I would um, make the cheese for the market, but also I started making some for, for local retailers and packaging it, you know, by hand in the middle of the night and, and driving it to different stores and my Toyota Corolla and <laughs> Uh, really that kind of bootstrapping, um, you know, entrepreneurial startup sort of journey of doing kind of anything you, you have to, to make it work. But you love it. If your passion's there, driving wedges of cheese to local retailers in the middle of the night, it's more thrilling. It's got to feed your soul. Am I correct? Absolutely. It's it's always been kind of like a, a flow state, no brainer experience of something that's just been like, of course, I'm, I'm doing this. It's never been like, a, oh, my gosh, I have to do this thing to make it happen. It's just sort of flowed uh, relatively organically over the years. So, Margaret, can I hear about what things, hemp, hearts, seeds, things you tried in terms of making vegan cheese before you landed on what you are using, which is primarily, if my understanding is correct, cashews. So what was the journey there around what you tried, what failed, how you ended up with basically cashews. And then I'll extend to say, well, what's the process? Well, um, you know, in the those early days of being a, a young vegetarian and vegan, I definitely experimented making lots of alternatives like sauces and um, creamy things out of all kinds of different nuts and seeds. So I've used sunflower seeds. I've used almonds. I have tried hemp hearts. Uh, pine nuts, which was a really expensive uh, option that I, t- I tried at one point. I've done cheeses with soy and coconut, um, pretty much, you know, any application you can think of. And in recent years, we've done some R&D with oats and with uh, white beans as well. Uh, so there's, you know, kind of the, the options are endless, but cashews are a really nice um, option for fermented vegan products because they do have a nice fat content to them, which provides a really rich and creamy mouthfeel. The fermentation process is is quite consistent in my experience with using cashew milk. And so essentially what we do in making our products is that we uh, take organic cashews, we um, soak them in water and make a cashew milk, which we uh, then ferment. So we make our own cultures in-house 
We use a uh, fermented quinoa, uh, rejuvelac. So it's uh, a culture made from sprouted organic quinoa, which we use to ferment the cashew milk. Uh, and then the product is uh, seasoned depending on the variety. So we make a uh, chipotle and adobo sauce and all of our flavors are made in-house. So the chipotle sauce uh, is for the chipotle cheddar. Uh, we have a pumpkin seed artichoke pesto that uh, seasons our artichoke and herb cheese. So the, the seasoning ingredients are added and then the product is aged in wheel format. And uh, after uh, the aging time, which varies on variety, the, the product is packaged and uh, sent out the door to retailers. What is your favorite? Let's start with what's your favorite one. Sure. I mean, it's it's hard to pick your, your favorite kid, but amongst all of <laughs> amongst all of my products, uh, I'd say the, the smoky gouda has kind of always had a, a place in my heart as, as my favorite. It has a smoked paprika and turmeric rind. So also, you know, of course, the, the chef in me and like the artisan food lover, the, my favorite is also one of the most uh, labor intensive to produce. So we um, we actually make a, a beautiful uh, rind that we uh, hand paint onto the wheels. And so the aging time is a little bit longer on that variety because the um, the coat or the rind needs to cure in the in the aging cooler. So a similar process, uh, fermenting the cashew milk, um, aging the product in wheels, then we apply the rind and then continue to age it a little bit more. So it has a, a really nice sharp flavor to it, as well as a nice smokiness, uh, richness from the paprika and the turmeric. Oh. And is that a month? Just to give me a sense, because I cannot... I, I don't, really don't know anything about making dairy cheese, never mind vegan cheese. No, we uh, we have a relatively speedy turnaround and, you know, not compared to many other food products that are kind of like produced, pack and ship in the same day. But uh, it's it's about two weeks from start to finish. Fantastic. I'd like to take this opportunity to see whether I've got all the flavors right. So chipotle cheddar, smoky artichoke and herb, super blue unbelievable smoky gouda and black garlic. I got six. Am I right? Or have you launched something that we should all be aware of now that adds to those six? You're right. Although we did actually just recently have our first um, proper seasonal skew launch. So we launched a cranberry and pink peppercorn flavor for the holidays. So that was on shelf uh, in all of our retailers in Canada. Actually, every major banner we work with picked it up from October to, to January we had that uh, seasonal skew available. So we'll do that again uh, this year as well in Canada and uh, probably in the U.S. What was the response? It sounds delicious. It sounds like it looks delicious based on the colorfulness of the name. What was your feedback? What did your customers say? It's a really beautiful product. Uh, The cranberries really provide like this um, juuling effect almost to, to the cheese. Uh, it was very well adopted by all of our major retailers. So we had it sold in Sobeys and Loblaws and Metro and, you know, all of our all of our biggest accounts here in Canada. Uh, so I think that the sort of um, really, really nice response that we experienced in this last season uh, will have um, more success with it next year as we are able to uh, plan a little bit more, make a little bit more and, and sell it into the States as well. Was it your concept or were your retailers saying, oh, gee, come on, Margaret, we need something for the holidays, something different, special, you know, limited time only. Was it their push or was it you saying, you know what, I think that strategically it makes a great amount of sense for us to go in and out with seasonal products? 
Well, I think uh, consumers and retailers alike both love innovation and, and people are always wondering, you know, what's next, what's what's new and and folks do love a seasonal release. And, you know, you see that with a lot of major CPG brands doing a cranberry ginger ale, for example, or um, whatever it is, something special for the holidays. So it was really following sort of that trajectory that uh, we see larger brands doing and, and trying it for ourselves for the first time on a, on a larger scale. In the past, we've done some smaller seasonal launch attempts with um, some partnerships with local companies. For example, the year prior to this season, we did a, a, a beer infused cheddar. So we used a local craft brewery's product and we actually fermented our cheese using their craft beer. Um, because it's a craft product, it still has live uh, bacteria and microbes in, in the beer. So it, it works as a fermenting agent. And that was really popular. And we only sold that sort of locally to about 60 stores. And so this year was our, our first attempt kind of taking that model bigger. Good for you. Thanks. Who was your first big retailer? I mean, we, we talked the farmer's market and we talked about your your loyal customers at Veg Out Restaurant who wanted to get their hands on the cheese you're making and local retailers. So who was the first big guy to walk through your door or knock on your door and say, Margaret? We want to list you. The first big retailer we ever worked with was Farm Boy. And so they actually reached out relatively early on. I think we've been working with them since about 2017. Uh, But they were the first, you know, over 25 store chain that uh, expressed interest in us. And they were the first time that I'd ever, you know, shipped product on a pallet. (laughs) It was was a lot of firsts for us to um, have, you know, listing agreements and and work through all of the details with with a larger retailer and, They've been an incredible partner to us since uh, since day one. Uh, but yeah, there's a, a lot of sort of funny company stories of the, the days when we had to wrap our first pallet and figure out how to get it on a truck from our tiny production facility that we were in at the time. And uh, when the, the truck arrived, this is one of my sort of favorite anecdotes, we didn't have a, a raised loading dock on our facility and the truck didn't arrive with a lift gate. But of course, we had to palletize the 400 cases they ordered in order to to get it to them. And so I had the entire team that was working at the time. We all went outside and stood around the pallet and picked it up <laughs> uh, as, as a group and lifted it onto the truck because we, we'd come that far. We weren't about to, to not send it and uh, we needed a fix. So, so a lot of those kind of scrappy um, entrepreneurial little anecdotes that have uh, happened along the way. But Farm Boy was our, our first big one. Good for you. I love that. I've got a picture of that in my head. Okay, on three, everybody lift. <laughs> Basically, yeah, that's, uh, that's what it was like. <laughs> they came to you, Margaret? They did. Farm Boy came to you. You didn't have to knock on their door and say, gee, we've got this and please list us, please list us. Did they ever tell you the story about how did they hear about you? How did they find you? How did they f- figure out that you were around or even existed as an option? Well, I think a, a lot of the like really innovative larger retailers like Farm Boy, like they've they've got really uh, quite a unique model and they're they're growing quickly. But um, you know, folks that are in procurement at uh, retailers like that are always kind of looking for what's new and exciting. And we had been selling into probably about seventy independent natural stores at that point. And so, you know, I, I would assume that someone had gone into a goodness me and seen us on shelf or, or seen our, our social media or, or something like that, but. We've been we've been really fortunate that we kind of hit the market at a unique time where there's more competition now. But when I started, there wasn't a lot of people making products like this at scale. And so um, I think that some larger customers were looking for someone who was able to um, fulfill the demand 
and uh, we were we were able to to rise to the challenge. And yes, I read as I was looking you up that the Canada Food Guide has recommended recently less dairy, more plant based, and and more water in your in your diet. And you were right in stride and ready to receive that reality with what you're doing. Has that has that really helped you? Absolutely. I think uh, like consumer behavior has shifted so much since uh, I started the company. I remember those early days at the farmer's market where, you know, there would be some reaction of, oh, vegan cheese, like what is that? Or I don't have to have that. I'm not vegan. And and gosh, like it's it's become so mainstream now that everyone has uh, almond milk in their fridge or everyone's got a you know, son's partner who's vegan or it's just, um, it's, it's really everywhere now. And it's very cool to see it reflected both in, in mainstream media, as well as, um, you know, acquisitions of, of burgeoning plant-based brands by, by larger companies. You can really see the, the shift happening and, and continuing to, to build steam. And when Farm Boy came knocking at your door and you were having to palletize and figure it out and altogether one, two, three lift, what was involved in scaling up? I mean, you're talking about you were in a tiny facility. How many people did you have? And and then how did you step up in terms of growing the business to to be able to meet the needs, which are growing still, obviously? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. That's I think it's something that we still face today is uh, figuring out how to continue to meet demand and, and grow organically. To this point, the, the company's been entirely bootstrapped with uh a little bit of, you know, small friends and family investment, but for the most part, it's been, you know, reinvesting every bit of profit back into the company uh, in order to be able to buy larger pieces of equipment and hire more team members. And I'd say the company has grown pretty organically to date where, you know, at that time, I think we had five or six people uh, working with me and a couple of people in packaging, a couple of people making the product and, and me doing both of those things, but also managing, you know, the the front of house, the the sales, the marketing, the uh, administrative everything. Um, and so we've kind of just added as, as we've been able to, and as we've grown, but have employed a lot of, um, you know, unique problem solving and, and solutions along the way as, as you do. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, scaling from using Vitamixes and, a you know, a thousand square foot rented space with a, a tiny little office to, to where we are now with, um, you know, a lot more automation, a lot more equipment, and uh, I've got a team of about 30. It's, uh, it's, it's been a big journey. And, you know, manufacturing is, uh, is never a dull moment. <laughs> it's always something. And Margaret, what, um, thank you. I'm going to tie it back to the theme here with this question. What's the bravest thing you've, you personally have done, faced, encountered through the process of playing around in the kitchen at Veg Out in the middle of the night to now knowing how to palletize product and shipping it not only across Canada, but also into the United States? That's a, that's a great question. I don't know if it's um, it's bravery or foolishness or a combination of both that gets you uh, <laughs> where, where you're going as, a, as an entrepreneur. But uh, I, I think, you know, learning how to lead and, and direct a team has been not only a huge challenge for me, but a huge growth opportunity and, and definitely requires a lot of bravery and, you know, um, problem solving, boundary setting, leadership skills. And I think that that's, that's definitely something that's not for, for the faint of heart and will continue to be a big part of my, my growth journey as I continue to develop as a CEO. 
But I think, you know, also there's a lot of leaps that I've, I've had to make, whether that be purchasing a large piece of equipment and kind of that, you know, jumping and hoping that that will appear and that, uh, you know, the demand will will support you. It's a, it's a lot of sort of faith and, and trusting in the process that um, you're, you're doing the right thing when you follow your gut. I think that's certainly a mantra of mine. So good for you. You were a finalist in Canada's LGBTQ plus Chamber of Commerce Business of the Year Award. How long ago was that? That was actually in November. Um, yeah. So okay. we, yeah, we became a CGLCC certified company uh, as part of one of our you know diversity initiatives as a corporation in June of last year. And then uh, very quickly, we're nominated for a Business of the Year Award through their CGLCC um, awards ceremony that took place in November. Uh, so in addition to that, we also received our, our women-owned business certification in, in June as well. So two, two distinctions we're, we're very proud of. I would suggest absolutely, yes. And I don't know what CGLCC means. Could could you explain that for if maybe the listeners all know what it means? I don't know what it means. Uh, it's the Canadian Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. Fantastic. Yeah. And so, did you were a finalist? Did you did you win? Did you? I, we didn't win this time, but it was nice. Actually, another London company did. So there's a, a local marketing company called Northern Commerce, who are, are good friends of ours, and uh, also an LGBT owned company, and uh, they took home the the grand prize, which we're very, very happy for them. Oh, fantastic. Your culinary journey um, continues because I know you love to cook and I know you love to be in the kitchen. Are you still able to find time to do the things that really feed the passion of the culinary, the chef inside your soul? I think uh, one thing that really sort of lets me know that I'm finding and achieving a good work-life balance and a bit of flow state in terms of uh, all of the things that I'm I'm juggling is when I do have lots of time to experiment and and play in the kitchen and and have groceries in the fridge. And, you know, certainly there's lots of times where I'm I'm very busy and enjoying the the wonderful takeout options that (laughs) exist in whatever city I happen to be in. But I, I do love to cook and I also am very heavily involved in any product development that we're doing at the facility. So, you know, thinking about food, looking at pictures of food, seeing what's uh, what's trending, what other people are doing is, is a huge passion of mine. And certainly, um, you know, preparing nice meals and enjoying them is, is one of my absolute favorite things to do. The name nuts for dot, 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 cheese, nuts for cheese. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. It's clever. It's creative. It, it says what it is. It's a bit of a double entendre. And the brilliance of it continues because Nuts for Butter has just been launched. Can you tell me a little bit about that and, and how did Nuts for Butter come to be? Absolutely. So I, um, in my, you know, early days working as a chef and also just making vegan food products at home when other you know, options were less readily available. I used to make a, a vegan butter uh, for a number of different applications and it was mostly, um, you know, coconut oil and soy milk that was emulsified and a little pinch of turmeric, a little pinch of sea salt. It was delicious. And I, it was something that I hadn't made for, for a long time, but had started to realize that um, there weren't a ton of really high quality vegan butter options available in the market. So primarily what's conventionally available is uh, a blend of low quality oils. 
So it's a, often a palm oil base. And I really wanted to create something that was um, consistent with our, our current lineup of, of premium products. So that's uh, the Nuts for Butter line. So we have uh, three flavors now. Actually, we just launched a new one. So we've got a, a salted original. Uh, we have the urban garlic flavor. And then we just recently released an unsalted butter for, for baking. And yeah, this, this product's a total game changer for me. I, I never knew how much I, I loved butter until I started making and selling it. And now it's something that I, I use all the time. Um, but it's, it's nice. It's a true one-to-one replacement for dairy butter and, and cooking and baking. It's um, packaged conveniently in half cup sticks uh, so that people can um, use it with ease. And uh, it, it works really well. You can use it in pastry. I, I've made puff pastry and, and pie crust and croissants and all of the mother sauces. So I, I've really put it to the test to, to make sure that it's, uh, it holds up and, and it does. And and when did you release this, Margaret? When was Nuts for Butter? Yeah, in June of 2020. And actually, uh, later that year in September, there's a trade show we do every year called the Canadian Health Food Association. Um, it's the There's a trade show in, in the fall as well as one in the spring in, in Vancouver. And at CHFA, uh, a couple of years ago, we actually won Most Innovative New Product uh, for the Nuts for Butter line at that show. Congratulations. Thank you. And how were sales trending? Is butter overtaking cheese? Is cheese overtaking butter? I mean, you've got now three flavors of the butter, but six slash seven, if you count the seasonal cranberry one of the cheese, are we, is one overtaking the other or how, how is that going? If you could talk about that. For sure. Cheese is definitely our mainstay. Uh, the the butter has started to launch into some larger banners in Canada, Metro being our, our biggest butter customer in Canada. Uh, but we do sell the cheese in the States and we've just, just launched the butter into some of our key retailers in the States as well. So I imagine the, the sales will continue to grow, but um, cheese is definitely still our, our primary product. Thank you. Um, who, where, where can people find you in the States? Because I'm proud to announce that Breaking Brave is listened to all over the world, and we have quite a big audience in the States. And so here's the shameless promotion of where could people go in the States to find you at retail? Fabulous. Yeah, well, we, uh, we've we mostly focused on the natural market to date. So we're available in about 35 states and a number of uh, natural, um, you know, independent chains. Uh, we're in two regions of Whole Foods currently. Uh, we've actually just started a launch with Publix in Florida. So we're doing a test with their Greenwise stores. Uh, we're mostly um, represented, you know, sort of on the coast. So we've got a lot of representation in the North Atlantic, uh, Midwest, New York, as well as California and um, SOPAC and NorCal and uh, Pacific Northwest, but definitely continuing to, to build out our distribution every day. Uh, we do have a, a store locator on our website. So anyone anywhere in Canada or the States can, can pop on there and put in their, their postal or zip code and it'll show you what retail locations uh, are, are closest to you. Fantastic. What's the future for you, Margaret, in terms of the future of food, cool new ideas? Where where does that come from for you? I think for me, it really comes from um, use and, and application in different uh, culinary forms. So one thing that we're, we're looking at for the future is probably a line of cream cheeses and dips. So we have our, our premium, you know, cheese board centerpiece items with the cheeses. We have our 
you know, best friends and baking with the butter. And then I'd love to release a line of, of sort of everyday occasion cream cheeses and dips for uh, people to do, you know, veggie dips or chip dips or be able to bake with the cream cheese or simply, you know, spread it on a piece of toast or use it in a, a soup to make it creamy, things like that. So uh, that's one way that I'd like to continue to round out our, our product offering with an additional line and an additional format. And I think, you know, there's a lot of opportunity in, in terms of food service and private label working with restaurants in terms of offering them a really high quality inclusion that they can use in their menus. And, you know, and innovation is one of my favorite things to talk about. So I've got you know, tons of ideas up my sleeve, but I think that there's there's lots of room for us to build out the, the nuts for family into all kinds of different categories, whether that's, you know, saucing sauces or dressings or um, even filled pastas or frozen um, items as well. So the the world is uh, the world is our oyster mushroom, as I, I like to say. <laughs> You're a leader. You're a leader in innovation, Margaret. Do you have an R and D team? I, I mean, I know you're 30 people. You do brainstorming sessions together. You play around in the kitchen. You you say, I would really like to launch a line of cream cheese. So you guys go figure it out. Bring me back some options. Like, tell me about that piece. Like, how does how does it work? Yeah, for sure. We don't have a, an R and D team actually. Most of the product development is actually really spearheaded by me. And, you know, in the past, we have had people that have had some supporting roles in terms of um, ideation and product development. Um, but currently, and, and for the most part, it's uh, it, it's just, you know, my, my background in, in the culinary world that brings to life a lot of our, our new releases and, and offerings. And I'm excited to be able to continue to really contribute in that way as, as the company grows. I think at some point we will have some more supporting roles, but for the most part now, it's uh, it's me with some some support from sales and marketing. Is it hard for you, Margaret, to, I don't know how better to say this, but stay in your lane? Now, I say that in terms of when you started talking about dips and cream cheeses, I was super excited. Like, okay, got to do this. We got to do this. To hold yourself to the discipline of we're in cheese, we're going to continue to be in cheese. Now we're in butter. But I think if I was in your shoes, perhaps I'd be wanting to launch way too many things way too fast and getting very scattered about my approach with the company. Is is that just me getting excited or is that something that you are challenged with? Uh, I think sort of two things. Um, you know, people often say like, oh, you know, we're going to have to make sure that you don't get too excited because I always have so many ideas and uh and lots of lots of things I want to do, not just in innovation, but in, in all aspects of the business. I am, you know, constantly thinking about continuous improvement and and how to make things better, how to continue to optimize and and new things to to approach. Uh, but the one thing that really kind of tethers me to um, staying focused on what's right in front of me is that innovation is not a an inexpensive. Thing. And so there's a lot, a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of money that goes into every new product launch. So it's, uh, it does still have to be very carefully thought out and uh, approached strategically. So I can have all the ideas in the world, but the ones that are going to come to fruition are going to be the ones that have kind of gone through that rigorous examination process. Your quality is so outstanding that you don't want to miss a step and say in, in an effort to run, run, run with cream cheese or dips not produce something that that is as outstanding as all the other things that you're doing. Exactly. Talk 
to me about the carbon footprint in the world and climate change and how all the things you're doing is helping our planet indirectly and directly, because I think it's important to focus on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a huge motivation for me behind um, following a plant-based lifestyle as well as producing plant-based products for for my people to enjoy and also working towards making those products more mainstream because over 50% of um, carbon emissions come from animal agriculture. And we know that there's a huge impact on, on water and air uh, through factory farming and uh, industrial animal agriculture. So um, it's it's a huge priority for me to be able to provide plant-based alternatives so that people can, at the very least, reduce their their consumption of, of animal-based proteins and, and products. And, and, you know, we have a sort of um, holistic approach on that as well. All of our packaging is recyclable. We use uh, plant-based inks on our, on our boxes. And, you know, we, we do everything we can to kind of be as um, conscious and uh, environmentally friendly as possible in, in all of our practices, not just the fact that it's a, a dairy-free and, and vegan product. Your family, your, uh, your family, meaning obviously your direct family, but your family called your employees must be very proud to work there, must feel the same passion and drive around, we're producing delicious, beautiful things, but we're also helping the world or helping the the people in the world to understand that this is a better way to go. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a huge priority for us as, uh, you know, company culture and, and having everyone really uh, tied to the the benefit and the way that they're they're changing people's lives with the the product they're they're producing and you know we we speak a lot about that um, in all of our you know staff meetings is you know look at the direct benefit look at the consumer response look at how happy people are that they've got access to the products that you physically made and uh, it, it is I think quite inspirational for people uh, to be a part of something that's. Um, you know, it, it is making a big impact and it's, it's changing people's lives. And it's, it's fun to be able to share that direct feedback from, from consumers with, with the team. People discovering you, people becoming fans. What are they saying about the products, about the cheese and the butter? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a really nice, engaged social media following. So on Instagram, we're just at Nuts for Cheese. Uh, but we all the time have people tagging us and different things that they've made with the products and incorporating it into their meals and, you know, sharing how, oh, I've just discovered this and it's it's been such a game changer for me and this product has changed my life because I've searched high and low for uh, a vegan cheese that I'd love. And I think that one thing that kind of comes to mind in the past with with vegan alternative products is that you know, it's, it's great that they're, you know, better for the animals and better for the environment, but if they don't taste good, then, then people aren't going to want to stick with them. And so a lot of folks are, um, you know, communicating with us that they, they love the flavor, they love the quality, they love that it's organic. And um, we've developed a, a really solid, you know, supportive fan base. And it's, it's nice because we haven't really um, had the opportunity to invest much in, in marketing. So a lot of it's been, been word of mouth, but I think that my, um, you know, being in front of consumers directly for a lot of my career, whether that was at the restaurant or at the farmer's market, it's uh, given me the opportunity to understand the consumer demands and, and what people are looking for. And then it's given me the opportunity to produce a product that that people understand as well and that they're they're really excited to, to champion and, and support not only the brand story, but the, the product itself. I saw a picture of you recently in Hawaii. 
not, not, not on vacation, but mind you, if you had a couple of days to walk on the beach, that would have been great too. And that you were launching Nuts for Cheese in Hawaii. How is that going? It's been great. We've actually launched, I believe, on four different islands now, uh, which is cool. And it's just part of our, our U.S. expansion. So um, we have uh, distributors in, in California that actually take um, natural food products to health food stores in Hawaii. And it's been it's been really cool. There's a, a number of very neat content creators, actually, in Hawaii that are making beautiful cheese boards. And we, we do post them sometimes on our social media with uh, with the Nuts for Cheese products and between Hawaii and Iceland are the those are the furthest places I've seen our, our product travel so far, uh, unless someone's packing it in their bag and then taking it on a vacation to Europe. But uh, we have had a lot of fun with the you know seeing on social media someone's got our product in Iceland from a, a little health food store there. It's in Hawaii or Alaska, and um, that's uh, that's always a little bit mind bending and, and pretty fun to see. It, it never gets old to see uh, see the product on shelf, no matter where it is, whether it's you know up the street from my house here in London or or somewhere in the states. It's uh, it's it's very cool. How does your learning evolve in terms of your company? Is I'll quote this statistic that I found. It's old, but in the three years since you started, Nuts for Cheese has tripled your revenue every year. Now I don't I don't know if that's continuing because you've been open and and operating more than three years. So let me start with that question. Are you continuing to see that kind of revenue growth with the business? We're certainly seeing a significant revenue growth. I mean, the the triples become a a lot harder to achieve once you've been a few years into it, but we're fortunate to be growing at about 50% year over year and and do see that as something that we'll be able to uh, continue. Congratulations. Thank you. So who do you put around you for inspiration, mentoring? I ran a business myself for 10 years, and that to me as sort of a single white female was the hardest piece for me to to reach out and get the right people in my corner to teach me what I needed to know as the business scaled. For sure. I think since the early days, I've been really fortunate to have some amazing mentors. And uh, one mentor who's been with me for a number of years, who's actually a, a shareholder in the business as well, is uh, Mike Jane. So he's, um, I met him actually at, uh, my mom had moved into a new neighborhood and was having all of her new neighbors over for a, a cocktail party. And I think I'd been sampling cheese in Toronto that day at a at a store. And uh, she called me and said, you got to stop by here on your on your way back to London. You've got to meet this guy who's in my living room. And so I came back and uh, Mike was there and he, you know, kind of, I, I didn't know who he was. He kind of grilled me for about 20 minutes of, you know, you're still working at the restaurant. Why are you doing that? Quit your job, do this full time. And I was like, who was that? <laughs> and uh, turned out he was a former CFO of Pepsi. He's, uh, you know, very experienced Um a financial expert within the the CPG world, and uh, we connected a little bit later. And um, he's been he's been a very strong mentor to me ever since. And ended up joining the business as a, a shareholder um, relatively early on as well. So yeah, Mike's Mike's been a an amazing partner and uh, and friend to me over the years. And I've added a few other mentors and, and shareholders along the way. So I've got. Um, Another uh, individual named Hugh, who has uh, the owner of Global Citrus out of Brantford, and they do all of the, the citrus for you know Walmart, Costco across North America. A lot of beautiful, beautiful fruits, and uh, he's been an amazing support and uh, source of guidance and uh, information along the way. And then just recently, I've um, 
connected with two new uh, shareholders in the business who uh, one is Mike Fada of uh, Manitoba Harvest. So he uh, started his company and, and health food journey in his early 20s and, and grew the company very significantly all the way through to a, a complete exit at, you know, um, very significant sales figure and now has gone on to uh, work with lots of other companies like myself to to mentor them in terms of um, raising funds and, and building out uh, governance structure within their companies in terms of um, board governance. And he recently completed uh, an acquisition with um, Soul Cuisine by ADM. So Soul Cuisine was um, uh, another player in the plant-based food space has been really, you know, a pioneer and around for for quite some time. And, and Dror Belshine of, of that company has uh, joined us as a shareholder advisor as well. So currently building out a, a really strong board of directors, but uh, both Mike's will will have a seat as well as myself. And uh, we're currently recruiting a, another strong independent board member as well. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Yes, Mike Jane is a force. That is yes. how you and I were connected because Mike Jane and I met through Deloitte. And yes, you're right. He'll grill you. What are you doing? Why are you still working at the restaurant? I could just, I could picture him in your living room, or your mom's <laughs> living room doing yeah. that. But it's, ha- it's hard to have people push you. It's not comfortable. But when they do, you're always so thankful for it. At least I am. Absolutely. So, um, talk to me about yoga. So you were on the swim team at Ridley and you uh, played rugby. And I understand yoga is a a life source for you, shall I say. Um, Talk to me about that, please. And and why Um, yoga and and how does it help you staying balanced in what all the balls you've got in the air right now? For sure. I think, uh, I mean, I I came to yoga at a pretty young age. I um, sort of fell in love with a studio in Hamilton when I was 16 and went there quite regularly for a number of years. You know, every time I was home from boarding school, I was attending yoga classes. And and um, when I moved to London, I, I found a yoga studio here that I had absolutely fallen in love with as well and ended up deciding to do a, a teacher training after um, being a, a yoga student for a number of years. So during that, uh, you know, very full time of my life in my early 20s when I was working full time at the restaurant and completing my undergrad and uh, doing my yoga teacher training. That was a, a huge passion for me. And it's it's been something that's um, afforded me, you know, the ability to prioritize uh, balance and, and mindfulness throughout all of the, the ups and downs of entrepreneurship and just the, the ups and flows and, and busyness of life in general. So it's it's a practice that's kind of, you know, always been been there for me. And it's, it's something that I, I prioritize in a number of ways to this day, whether it's, um, meditation or, or breathing exercises or, or doing a, a yoga practice itself. Um, it's it's something that I, I did stop teaching yoga shortly after starting the business because I, you know, simply didn't have the the space to facilitate classes anymore in my in my schedule. But I, I think it's something that will be, you know, with me as a, a practice my my whole life. I've done it and and it's wonderful and I need to do more of it. So thank you for that promotion. What scares you the most going forward, Margaret, personally and or professionally? Hmm. What are you scared of? That's a, I mean, that's a great question. Yeah, I think it's, it's really like a, a bit of a fear of the unknown, I guess is, um, and I mean, I guess that's the, the definition of anxiety is, is worrying about things that haven't happened yet. But I think certainly when you're, 
you know, growing a manufacturing company and you're an English major and you've never done that before. There's, <laughs> there's lots of things to, you know, be afraid of. But I think the sort of primary driving force of how I've gotten to here is um, being able to quiet that that fear instinct and uh, focus on on what's in front of you. So I, I'd say there's, you know, lots of things that I could be afraid of, whether it's, you know, scaling a company in a category that hasn't even really fully been developed yet and and doing lots of things that I've, I've never known how to do before. I, I really try to uh, channel the fear into um, inspiration to, to grow and kind of stretch myself. Good for you. Um, what would you like to see happen in the next five years, sustainable food practices in Canada-wise, in terms of, I was thinking of you... I was traveling a little bit last week and grabbed yogurt, but I but I opened up the lid of the yogurt and on the foil underside of the lid, it explained how this particular lemon flavored yogurt came from reclaimed fruit, meaning didn't make the cut fruit to be in the pretty area of the grocery store, but certainly was being used for this yogurt. So the idea of sustainable food practices in Canada, what's what do you hope for? What do you wish for? I think, uh, you know, primarily I want for people to enjoy and eat more vegetables. I think that that's one thing that I hear people say a lot, like, oh, I'd be vegan, but I don't like vegetables. And and so I think that one, you know, really key part to sustainability is um, is an education piece on how to um, prepare and and cook vegetables in a, in a really pleasing and sort of um, expert way, no matter what it is. But I, I also think it's it's incredible to see the way that uh, different categories have built out within the grocery stores. And I think it'll be amazing to see that continue to expand. And that's sort of one thing we've always said since the beginning is that, you know, competition is, is really something that just helps build the category and, and bring awareness to the fact that alternative products do exist. So I think watching the sort of evolution of, of grocery store shelves is, is what I'm most excited about. Good for you. Are you working on a cookbook? I read somewhere that you were working on a cookbook. I've, on top of everything else, like, oh, sure, you have time for this. But is it is it in your, I wish I had more time to work on my cookbook? Or is it in your plans? That's something that's in my I wish I had more time category for sure. I mean, we do have a very robust recipe section on our website of uh, all kinds of recipes that I've created with our products for, um, you know, sharing with our consumers on social media and sharing with our retailers. But it's it's something that perhaps uh, someday I'd come back to. It was a project I started and then, you know, was uh, gleefully overwhelmed by <laughs> business growth and uh, had to had to put it aside. But it's a it's a potential someday project for sure. And demos on TV or those kinds of things that you were involved in when you said you were doing some food demos on the local Rogers Network, is, is any of that mm-hmm. happening for you? I had some of some of it I've done, you know, kind of over the years. I've done a lot of cooking demos at, at different veg fests and different vegan events and different sort of foodie events. And, you know, there's there's less of that happening, different events right now with COVID, but it's definitely something that I would love to get back to and, and do more of. Uh, whether that's that's virtual or or in person, it's um, it's it's really a priority for me to be able to step more into that space and and promote the business. And uh, it's always sort of a, a growth target for me to spend more time dealing with the day to day and spend more time, you know, building the brand. So in the future, you can expect uh, expect to see more of that for sure. Excellent. 
When you were a kid, I'll go back to when you were 12 and you decided you were going to become a vegetarian before you went to vegan. Did you love vegetables when you were 12? You know what? I always have. Uh, I was definitely like that kid who loved Brussels sprouts and beets and all the things that kids normally don't love. Uh, And I was never um, a big meat eater as a kid. It was always something that was offered to me and on my plate. And it was always kind of the last thing I ate. And so my my mom always remarks that like she wasn't hugely surprised that I um, was leaning towards vegetarianism because meat was never something I, I loved. I read quotes that say, I would be so thrilled to be vegan, but I can't give up cheese. And so that you're filling that huge demand of saying, oh, but look what I have for you. Is that, do you get a lot of feedback on that subject? For sure. And I I think that that really ties in with what has been readily available to consumers in the past is that there haven't been a ton of really high quality, delicious alternatives available. And the category is growing and changing so quickly that now there's more and more options. And yeah, I love to say when people say, oh, I'd totally go vegan if I didn't have to give up cheese. And we like to say, well, yeah, you don't have to. (laughs) uh, Here we are. You can can be vegan and have your cheese too. It's uh, plants can do anything. It's a beautiful thing. Um, we, I, myself and my husband have a friend who's a chef who went vegan. And the health benefits are astounding. Mm-hmm. Could you talk to that? I mean, I know you're not a doctor, but just generally, Margaret, you know, somebody becoming vegetarian or becoming vegan, how does this help your body? How does that make a difference? For sure. I mean, I, I can really only speak to my my own experience, but I think that there's never any harm in eating a lot more fruits and vegetables and and nuts and seeds and and healthy grains. I, I think that that can only be only be good for you. And in terms of um, you know dairy products, oftentimes people have a hard time digesting or, or processing animal dairy, and they're told to avoid it for myriad reasons. And the nice unique thing about our products is that they are all fermented. So not only are they dairy free and don't um, cause people to feel that sort of, you know, bloating or discomfort that they might feel if they eat a whole wheel of, of dairy brie. <laughs> um, our products actually have a, a nice microbial profile and uh, probiotic benefit because they are fermented and, and full of really good living bacteria that support a, a healthy microbiome. You could be a doctor with that kind of an answer. So thank you. <laughs> What are your words of wisdom to aspiring young entrepreneurs, be them vegetarian, be them vegan, be them meat eating? What are your words of wisdom or inspiration that you might want to throw out here to people that are listening to this particular episode? Sure. I think the the one thing that I always say is that if you're going to do something like this, you kind of have to be prepared for it to be everything to you. And, uh, you know, that's, it requires a commitment and it can be a really, really beautiful commitment as long as it's, uh, something that you're ready for and ready to devote, you know, your whole self to it's, um, entrepreneurship, certainly not, uh, something to be taken lightly. It's just something that requires commitment and hard work and dedication, but it is so rewarding and fulfilling to be able to kind of, you know, live your life doing something that you love every day and and creating something that you get to share with people and, and make their lives better. So, um, yeah, I think it's really, it's, it's a bit of an, an all-in approach that is uh, required in, in my experience, but it's it's not a bad thing to be, to be all in and whatever you're doing. Fantastic. So here's the part where I would love to offer the listeners an opportunity to support you, follow you, 
fan you, whatever. How can we support you? And and how can we find you? Social media, websites, all those things. So here's the here's the shameless promotion of nuts for cheese, nuts for butter, and Margaret. Absolutely. So uh, all folks can find us on social media. We have a, a great social media following. We post lots of recipes, meal ideas, exciting updates about the company on our Instagram at Nuts for Cheese. Uh, Facebook page we have as well. Uh, similar content sharing. Uh, you can find me personally on LinkedIn. My name is Margaret Coombs and our website is www.nutsforcheese.com. Uh, we have on our website also a store locator that has links and addresses of all of the retail locations that carry our products. But if you're, you know, uh, listening to this and would like to try the product, please feel free to send us an email either through the contact form on our website or by reaching out to info at nutsforcheese.com and we'd be happy to send a, a discount coupon your way so you can uh, give it a try. Oh, excellent. Now, last question before I thank you when we say <laughs> goodbye. Um you do not sell direct to consumer. Is there and and is there a is there a reason or is there a plan to do that down the road? Selling direct to consumer is definitely something that we've had a lot of interest for, and it's it's really a logistics piece that I think that we will be pretty keen to explore in the future. Whether that's having a e commerce section on our website or partnering with like a Amazon Fresh in the states or or something like that, I have a lot of you know fun dreams of things like Cheese of the Month Club, uh, sort of special offerings and and things like that. Uh, so I would say it is coming. We do some work with. Uh, existing e-commerce companies like Instacart or Vegan Essentials, Fresh Direct in the States, uh, that do ship our products for us, D2C. Um, and at some point, we'll probably build out our, our own platform as well. Fantastic. Margaret, it has been such a delight chatting with you. Thank you so much for coming on Breaking Brave. And we would love to have you back at some point to talk about what else we're nuts for in the future. So we've got cheese, we've got butter, but who knows? I'm dying to know what else is going to be here. Thank you so much, Margaret, for joining thank us. Thank you so much for, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Breaking Brave. For updates between episodes, please visit my website, MarilynBarefoot.com. You can also find me at Marilyn Barefoot. That's it for today. See you next time.